Lifestyle choices and environmental factors impact your brain health and the physiology and psychology of your mental health. When you're ready to turn your brain on to get your game on, listen to In Your Head Radio. Now here's your host, Lee Richardson. Thanks for being with us today. I've got a really interesting show. I've got Dr. Jean Retief. And Jean is a lady when she was 35, and I think many of our listeners can identify with this. She experienced great change, complementation, confusion, frustration, and joy. She invested so much of her energy in becoming an expert in her field, but realized that the career she had built with a single-minded focus no longer fulfilled or inspired her. And it was confusing and a frightening reality. Facing a health and a soul crisis, she decided to make big changes. She integrated her human rights background into Fiji, which is a new company, which allowed her to seek serenity and still experience the adrenaline rush of creating something new. Jean, thanks so much for being with us today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really, really happy to be here. Well, I have to tell you, I'm really interested in in talking with you because I have several clients right now that are in their mid-30s and have decided that they really, they've worked hard. They've, some of them, or, you know, they've reached the status that they want. Some never liked the the role that they had cast themselves in, mm-hmm. but they, they're, they don't like it and they're frustrated and they don't know what to do. Share a little bit of your experience with us. Yeah, so for me, it really all came about in a period that I call the breaking. (laughs) I'm South African and we immigrated to Portugal in 2020 just before uh, the COVID pandemic broke out. And prior to that, in 2015, I was diagnosed with panic disorder. I always struggled with anxiety my whole life, but I never thought of it more than that because people just always told me you you were always super sensitive. You were always so stressed. So I never thought about, you know, getting diagnosed until uh, I had a really, really bad panic episode attack when I was traveling for my human rights consultancy, which led to my diagnosis. So the anxiety was brought about by childhood trauma, um, my life, my situation. So I had all of that coming into, into my thirties. And I think in your thirties, you kind of let go a little bit of the things that you have been clinging on to as a younger woman, you know, more of the insecurities and all of that that you've had, you start to think about it a bit more. You start to maybe see it in a different perspective. Life, the purpose of life becomes like this bigger question to you. So I had all of those normal things with this background that I had been dragging with me and a panic disorder diagnosis that I did not deal with well, which led to this moment when I came to Portugal, this breaking. And it was really the worst time of my life. I had planned to bring my consultancy to Europe the way my husband brought his business here. It didn't work out for me the way it worked for him. So I also dealt with a great loss of identity of who I was and what I'd worked for and everything I'd built. And I was having severe symptoms from my panic disorder. So I just didn't know which way was up or down. 
And that's how Figgy was born. Well, you know, that's a lot to come to a new country with the expectations that you, oh, my husband was able to drop his business in and he's got it up and running and I'll be able to do that. And you come to a new country and you can't. And you've recently learned that you have a panic disorder. And I work a lot with panic and anxiety at the Brain Performance Center. And it's it's very overwhelming. It's an, and to get into your 30s and not really have explored that or processed that, that brings with it a certain amount of weight as well. Yes, a lot. And, you know, I was in the type of career in my in my old life, in my consultancy, where I was dealing with a lot of secondary trauma and I was in the type of profession, the legal profession is very go, go, go. You know, you're on the bus, you're off the bus, you're not in between and there isn't space for this kind of, um, what could you say? <laughs> I don't know what the word is, but let's say this this kind of uh, um fussiness well, you know <laughs> it, it's an inconvenience and and you're right there is no space for that we don't have time to stop and have you figure that out and which is exactly what you needed <laughs> but yeah. it, it's hard when you're at that going 120 miles an hour and all of a sudden you realize i need to slow down and yeah. not, I need to slow down way slower than 100 miles an hour. So how did you go about doing that? Uh, I did. I didn't. That's, I think, why it came to the what I call the breaking. Because when I was diagnosed, the first thing I said to my husband was, no one can know. Anything and everything can be wrong with me except anxiety. Because a big part of my job then was helping others, encouraging others, mentoring others. How could I be mentoring other women and people when I am struggling to contain and maintain and manage my own stress? It just, I felt like such an imposter and such a fake. So a great deal of weight came with that hiding the diagnosis and the shame and the guilt from it. And my idea towards it was just, I'm just going to, I'm going to fix it. I'm going to go to the therapy. I'm going to do everything the doctors tell me to do, and I'm going to fix it. And I'm going to be great at fixing it. And that did not work at all. <laughs> <laughs> that was probably the worst thing I could have done because that led to a lot of ignoring the problem and kind of just walking over it, you know, and that, piled up even more you know what they say the body forgets but the mind never well and I say it a different way I say the body keeps score of what's going yeah. on in the brain and I truly I see that every day in, in the practice and it's it's so hard when you you're very obviously you've been in control and so you think that you're going to continue to be in control Mm -hmm. And it doesn't work out. That's that makes it even more complicated. So what the doctors had recommended to you, was it therapy? Was it medication? Was it a combination? Yes, the doctors recommended therapy and medication, which I did not do well with because I'm I, I have just a really sensitive composition, I guess. So I was very susceptible to side effects from 
the medications, which in itself was a horrifying thing to go through because for two weeks you feel bad for the medication to work and then it doesn't work for you. Then you feel bad going off it and you feel bad going on the next one. And that was a horrible roller coaster. And I really struggled with coming to terms with the fact that I needed to take medication. I really did not want to. And I spent many days crying to my husband and on the therapist couch asking, but what, like, when am I going to be normal again? Am I ever going to be normal again? When am I going to not need this or not have to take this? And it was really only during this breaking that I started to move towards a point where I was beginning to accept it more and beginning to see it more in the light of not having to take medication to be as normal as other people, but rather having this divine kind of gift of being able to take a tablet to help me live a really good quality life, despite the way I am wired and despite this diagnosis. So is that what happened? You took the tablet? You did the therapy and you came out on the other side? In the beginning, yes. After the breaking, I was introduced to a more, I think, holistic approach of therapy. And she taught me about listening to your body and understanding the cues from your body and where you hold stress in your body. And I think what really made the difference with this person that was introduced to me is the way she communicated it to me. Because when you have an anxiety disorder, people are so quick, even therapists, to tell you, ooh, you need to meditate and you need to be more mindful and try to really be in the moment. But if you're at that high level of panic and anxiety, you cannot think about it that way. You cannot sit still for two seconds and trying to meditate is just another thing to add to your list that you're not able to accomplish. And she really kind of took it from the beginning steps, like twice a day while you're working at your desk, just get up and walk up and down and shake your body around and just feel where, where do you feel a little bit tight or stiff or not so nice and, and, let's work with that. Let's, let's take a step further from that. Let's, let's think, where did the stress come from and what has triggered it? And that really made the biggest difference to me because I have obviously a problem with wanting to be in control. It's my safety nets, it's my security and being able to train my mind in a way that I am able to work with that and my body in harmony, reading the cues, understanding the cues, just made it so much less of a labyrinth to me. I, it was something that I could uh, navigate, understand, and and maybe even try to kind of manage better. That's what really made the difference. Well, and I so appreciate you pointing out the importance of the mind-body connection because, you know, the brain is an organ just like the heart is. And people, if they have, if they think there's something wrong with their heart, oh my goodness, they're at a cardiologist's office mm. within days. But if they think that they have a mental health or a brain health issue, like a panic attack or anxiety, 
they don't want to ignore it. They have nasty conversations with themselves. Come on, suck it up, buttercup. Yeah. Power through, you know. And those are inappropriate conversations. But when you when you take the time and stop and listen to the body, I know I work with a lot of people with anxiety that have gut issues, and others have muscle tension, and mm-hmm. others have headaches. But it always, what's going on in the brain will always show up in the body. And you're right, when you're on that, those adrenal glands kick in and they start kicking out all that cortisol, sitting down and meditating for a good 10 minutes is not going to happen. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I I, I think what you're also saying about... um, the medication, if you have a heart problem or, or if you have diabetes or something like that, it's 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 more kind of acceptable. And I think that's what makes it a bit harder also for the, well, at least for me as a patient, is also kind of society's view on that. Because I've had so many well-meaning friends and relatives and loved ones that would tell me, but wow, you're doing so well with this mind-body connection and it really seems to be helping you. Like, why would you keep taking the medication? Do you understand what you're putting into your body? Do you know how horrible and how bad that can be for you? And, you know, I just wish sometimes that, like you said, people can understand if if somebody has a heart condition, you wouldn't think twice to ask somebody, oh, why are you taking a heart medication? You'd probably ask, oh, goodness, why are you not, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. You have high cholesterol. Go get on a statin. I mean, anything that goes off in your body that that people can relate to, they're they're all in favor of medication. Are you still on the medication? Yes, I am. I I am regularly followed still by my psychiatrist every six months because uh, I just a month and a half ago had a pretty severe relapse. So I'm I'm working towards getting back to. A really good space. I understand why it happened. I knew all the triggers. I felt it in my body. I didn't listen to it. I thought I could circumvent it. So yes, I am still on the medication. And you know, I'm I'm not, I'm not a medical professional. I'm not preaching it, but it does help me because my resting state is so anxious, and it really helps me to just be a little bit more balanced, um, calmer, and and it gives me a good quality of life, you know, and I have a family. It's not just about me. It's about how they perceive me and the energy I share with them. It's not fair towards them either. Um, and I don't want to be that type of person that's always having a panic attack and that can't control my anxiety. If If I have medication working for me that allows me to live a normal quality life and I still have a relapse every now and again, you know what, that's okay. But it works for me and it helps me. And I still have SOS medication that I take if I feel I'm going to have a panic attack or I'm having a panic attack. But all of these are closely followed and prescribed by my psychiatrist. And I think it's wonderful that you can speak up and just say, you know, this is what works for me because everybody has to figure out what works for them. And a lot of times at the Brain Performance Center, we'll see a lot of people that medication didn't work for. So they're looking, they want to do neurofeedback. They want to create neuroplasticity in the brain. 
They want to do the, the counseling. They want to, you know, they want to do what they believe will provide them an opportunity for what you have. And that's, that's a good life. And, you know, what really is exciting to me is that despite not you being able to not bring your business with you and start all over and dealing with the anxiety, you have started all over. You have been able to start a new company and Fiji. And I read on your sheet, you know, it's your best life. It's the Fiji life. So talk to us about that because everybody, the message I'd like for everybody to hear is you can start over. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what, you know, what curve balls you get thrown, you can throw them right back. Yeah, that's so true. And, you know, um, in my previous life, I, and this is not, it's not a point of vanity or it's just trying to explain we all have identities that we associate with and that makes us who we are. And in that life, I did really high level projects. I mean, I did projects like the national elections. I was always at the president's inauguration. I was referred to as Dr. Thief. And when I lost all of that, all of a sudden I, I became just Hoff's wife, you know, and I, it was such a loss to me. And I was dealing with all of these panic attacks and just all of this confusion. And I just wanted a space where I no longer had to hide and where I could just be, not be okay. And there is no judgment and nobody telling me how I'm supposed to do it. And the next self-help advice I didn't get yet. And I realized, you know, the biggest challenge I always had in my pers- in my previous life was that I knew how to practically make an impact with my human rights projects. My barrier was always the red tape and the democracy and the politics. And if I started something like Figgy on my own terms with all this knowledge that I have, I would no longer have that. I can just provide this safe space to women like me once a week to come to a podcast or a blog post and feel like they have kindredness among them. And a big part of that was accepting my disorder and talking about it and being more open about that. And one of my biggest symptoms from my anxiety disorder is sensitive skin. And that's why I created the skincare line because it was really an ode to, okay, I can do this. I want to do this. And this is me. And this is what I struggle with. And this is a product that I'm going to make to help myself and hopefully help, help other, others. Um, yeah, and that's really how it came about. Well, you know, the skin is the largest organ that we have. And as we age, we take a lot of attention. And I'm, I'm one of those ladies. I have a morning routine. I have an evening routine. And I pay a lot of attention to my skin because our skin mirrors our age. But our brain does too. Mm. And I think that, you know, it's always important for everyone to understand it's a normal aging process. We're all going to get older. Yeah. And we just, we are. But there are plenty of things that we can do about that. And for you, your problem was manifesting in your skin. And instead of just saying, okay, now, you know, now I'm going to have to figure this out. You did, and and so many people with anxiety and and with depression and with you know, 
OCD, they will have problems with their skin. It's the largest mm-hmm. organ you have. It's not always on your face. Uh, sometimes it's on your body, but it's just as upsetting no matter where it is. So tell us about your skin care line and, and why it's so unique. So I'm South African, and one of the key things in a South African home is rooibos tea. Have you heard of rooibos tea? Yes, I have. Yeah, so we use green rooibos tea extracts in all of the products, and it it has such beautiful scientific evidence behind it. It's so calming and soothing to the skin. We love to use it for baby skin as well. Um, And the entire line is just a minimalist approach to skin because... I was coming from the point of view, if your skin is so sensitive, the first thing you need to do is cancel out all the extra, just bring it back to good foundations. And that's what I was trying to do with this line. It's a double cleanse, a day and a night cream, just to bring your skin. And the whole purpose is to bring your skin back to a happy place so that you can build from there. And um, I went back and did my certificate in cosmetic chemistry because I wanted to understand how the ingredients work together. I wanted to be able to question it if I disagreed. I was very particular about which ingredients to include and the percentages and what not to include. It's fragrance-free, it's essential oil-free, it's colorant-free, it's gluten-free because I really wanted it to be a beautiful luxury experience for those of us that really struggle with uh, sensitive and dry skin. And so is it for all ages or is it just for an adult product? No, it's for all ages. It's specifically formulated for dry and sensitive skin. But I mean, I have a five-year-old little girl and she inherited eczema from daddy and obviously my sensitive skin. And she cleanses with the cleanser at night And she loves it and her skin is beautiful and it doesn't burn her eyes, which is a big help for kids if you're uh, trying to wash their face. So um, I use it in my little girl's skincare routine as, as well. I mean, I wouldn't recommend it for somebody that has super oily skin. It's not what it was made for, but age is, is in my opinion, not, not an issue. (laughs) So it's really made for people that have that drier skin that maybe are prone to eczema Mm. or psoriasis, that type of population. Yeah, or people that are just really sensitive and reactive, you know, the stinging, the burning sensations. They can't handle the really harsh actives like vitamin C, for example, is probably the golden rule or the golden standard in antioxidants. But my sensitive skin can't handle it because a lot of products have too high percentages of it. And there are other beautiful antioxidants also like rooibos that you can use if you have sensitive skin. Well, how did you learn about, I mean, what, where'd you get the idea? Were you just to the point with your own issues with your skin that you didn't have anything, any real alternatives? How did you get there? I've always used rooibos skincare products since, the time I started my teenage skincare regime. And um, so I've always loved it, but it's not available here in Europe. And I mean, I was going through this really bad time, The, like I said, the breaking and my skin was super sensitive and adding to that, I was in a new country. So 
new food, new weather, new water, new diet. And I just, I was just in agony and I couldn't find any products that were fragrance free and essential oil free because I react really badly to a lot of essential oils. I just had the worst time and I thought, okay, I'm already in this bad space. I already need to do something different. I already want to take ownership of my diagnosis. This is what I can do. And that's what I set out to do. <laughs> well, and it sounds like you did a fabulous job at that too. And there's certainly, in the world we live in today, stress is at an all-time high. And I really don't see that going away anytime soon. And I think that people are all stressed out and how that stress shows in your, in your life. Maybe it's your skin, maybe it, you know, maybe it's your, your brain and maybe it's anxiety. It's, but it's going to show. Oh, yeah. And being willing to share your story and come, you know, open your heart and say, cause it sounds like almost you had everything going your way, Dr. Retief. And then all of a sudden, it was just bam, it was gone. Yeah, that it really did feel that way. Um, I honestly felt like when that happened, it was my lowest low. But looking back at it now, I'm so grateful that it did happen. Because if it didn't work out that way, I would never have taken the time to do more with my diagnosis and to learn more about being in a healthier space. I would have still been running around like that, uh, trying to like make sense of this and trying to be in quotation marks normal. I would never have been on this path that I am now. And I'm so, so grateful for it. It didn't feel like it then <laughs> for sure. <laughs> Well, the long, hard road never does. Yeah. It's, it's once you get to the end of that road that you can say, oh, I'm so glad I've turned right instead of left, you know? Yeah. Well, it sounds like that you've, you've had a lot of experiences in your life and, and in the business world. And they all, I mean, I'm the first to say it, it, everything changes me. It changes my perspective. It changes what comes to mind when I consider doing something new? Can you share with our listeners what you've learned from your experience and where you failed? Oh, yeah, for sure. I, I have too many failures to list, so I'll maybe just think of my, my <laughs> biggest ones. Um, I think the biggest lesson I've learned in this journey, which was for me a very tough lesson because it was not part of my upbringing, a big part of my trauma was about hiding things and not talking about it and not saying anything. So being able to not just learn, but remember and actively feel my feelings. Like if you're sad, be sad. Just be sad. Cry. If you're happy, be really happy. Because I never realized that I, I, I was taking up so much space in my body and my mind and my soul with hiding all of these emotions and feelings and it was coming out in the worst possible ways so you know because we're so conditioned oh no don't feel sad be rather think of the things that you should be grateful for or don't cry tomorrow is another day you know not cry 
cry and be angry and and be happy because that's the only way that you get to the other side i feel my biggest failure i think has been one not acknowledging that for sure well and <laughs> that's that's very open of you and and honest and transparent because i agree with you sometimes you have to walk through something to get to the other side. And sometimes we spend so much energy trying to walk around it mm. and it, we don't get there. You know, we've, we've got a couple of minutes left in the show and, and for our listeners out there that would like to learn more about you and your, for your skin line, where can they find you online? The easiest is to go to the website Figgy Life, F-I-G-G-I life.com and you can find a link to the shop, the blog, the podcast and you can also go to figgy.eu which is the US shop. You can find me on Instagram at jean underscore figgy life. And jean is J-E-A-N-N-E. That's right, yes. For, for the, us Americans that would spell that J-E-A-N. <laughs> Yeah. Well, yeah, thanks so much for, for sharing your story. It's it truly it it started off on the dark side, but it didn't end up there. You know, it, it ended up and I think my takeaway from our conversation is you can change it. It but to do that, you've gotta you've got it number one, accept it. And yes. number two, wrap your arms around it and then say, I'm I'm going to I'm going to do what I have to do even though I don't want to do it. But if that medication stabilizes you and it gets you to a normal space so you can take care of your business and take care of your family, then it's it's a great thing to do. Yeah, for sure. Thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to say what you know, sometimes you feel like, okay, you can say this. And then after you're like, oh, no, no, I don't think I was supposed to share that much. <laughs> no, I think that what you said, it resonated with me. And I, and I know it resonated with our listeners because just being honest and direct and transparent, always you can hear that how genuine the story is. Thank you so much, Dr. Retief. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It was my pleasure. of Lee Richardson and the Brain Performance Center, we want to thank you for listening. If you'd like to hear more episodes like this, visit us on iTunes, Google Play, Toginet, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and thebrainperformancecenter.com. Brain Performance Center.com.